This KMQ episode is brought to you by the Sexy Librarian's Erotica Blogcast. Listen in as Rose flirts around with Big Daddy and discusses erotica and sexuality with today's most provocative writers and community leaders. Subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And now, your favorite sexy librarian, Rose Carraway. My first exposure to zombies was back in the mid-1980s. Somewhere between 9 and 11 years old, I watched what I still consider my favorite zombie movie of all time, the genre-bending Return of the Living Dead. My favorite character? Trash. My favorite scene? When Trash is in the cemetery with her punk friends, talking about what she imagines would be the most horrible way to die being eaten alive by a bunch of old men. Not only did I love her sexy leg warmers and strange prosthetic groin, but Trash's fear of being eaten alive by people is something that has stuck with me to this day. I'd also watched countless National Geographic episodes and understood that nature wasn't civilized or forgiving, that things were indeed eaten alive. Nightmares and daydreams ran rampant within my creative and fearful brain. I often imagined what would happen to me if the people that I'd loved and trusted would maybe, one day, turn their fevered eyes and gnashing teeth upon my skin. Nowadays, zombie stories are filling the shelves. They've become a mainstream cultural phenomenon. Seriously, walking dead writers If Daryl dies, we will revolt. A couple of years ago, I came across a new subgenre within erotica, zombie erotica. My brain screeched to a halt. Up until then, I hadn't thought of zombies as lustful beings for anything other than brains or flesh, strictly as sustenance. Ultimately, I couldn't bring myself to write about a zombie with a sex drive I kept going back to the Return of the Living Dead movie. Why had I loved that ridiculous film so much? Because it had humor, terror, and nudity all in one. That is the story I wanted to write. But for kicks and giggles, I did come up with a zombie that does sport an erection. Sexy Librarian presents the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. Transport yourself to a place, a time, an experience that will enrich your mind as well as your passion. You are entitled to your sexual self. This show is for adults only and is a hands-free listening experience. Well, at least one hand. But before our story begins, let me tell you about our latest audiobooks. Libidinous Zombie, an erotic horror collection. Safely indulge your darker cravings with an audiobook that is erotic, horrifying, cunning, edgy, seductive, violent, fiendish, 
indecent and unfair. Oh, and it's super sexy. Tonight She's Yours, Cuckold Fantasies, which, by the way, is already an Audible bestseller. Cuckolding is deeply layered, from privately whispered scenes between a hot wife and her cuck to a wide range of humiliation play requiring the adept skills of a big, beautiful bull or three. Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 1, edited by Rachel Kramer Bustle. Best Women's Erotica of the Year, Volume 1, delivers risky, romantic, heart-pounding thrills. Joyful, daring, and authentic, these steamy stories revel in erotic adventure, from the sparks between strangers to the knowing caresses of longtime lovers. These stories are not merely erotic, but filled with strong characters and clever narratives showing how sexual experience is different for everyone. This anthology is a glorious celebration of the finest female erotic fiction today, including stories by Jade A. Waters, Rachel Kramer Bustle, and myself, and many more sizzling female writers. Get these sexy audiobooks now in iTunes, Amazon, and Audible. And now, Zombie by Rose Carraway. Oscar's the kind of guy that makes you want to keep your eyes open during sex. He lay on his bed, muscled torso and abdomen, bare, ripe for a licking. A couple of pillows propped him against the headboard. A single flawless white sheet covered his narrow lap, where he held an opened book. God, I love a man who reads. He never once looked up from the book's worn pages. His wire-rimmed glasses were the only flaw in the room. Well, except for me, anyway. I was still me, a regular human. Oscar wasn't. He's actually the first guy who qualified to get the serum. That lovely cocktail in a syringe that turns regulars into supers. And everything about Oscar was super. I was turned on and tuned into every square inch of his body, including his heart, especially his heart. Oscar was the only person I'd allowed myself to love. Well, I didn't exactly allow myself. It happened before I could fucking stop it. And that scared me more than the zombies. But I couldn't let Oscar's body distract me. I had other, more pressing issues on my mind. For example, my current kill stats. Oscar had asked me the one question he knew I didn't want to answer. I stripped down to my birthday suit, 
but left my knife belt on, climbed onto his immaculate king-sized bed, slumped over and threw my face into the cloud-soft comforter and groaned my frustration. What was that? His voice usually made my toes curl and my pussy weep, but now it just pissed me off. I lifted my face so he could better understand me. I said, 100 dismemberments, 100 disembowelments, and my lower lip actually trembled with frustration when I gave the last details. 64 trait cuts. Then I threw my face back into the blankets and slammed my fist for good measure. I've always been my own worst critic, but this time the numbers actually mattered. Trait cuts felt like failed dismemberments. To me, kills should have been kills. It shouldn't matter how the zombies were dispatched, just that they were dead. The council had an evil sense of humor when it came to scorekeeping. Dismemberments and disembowelments weren't technically kills, but the council thought it had a bearing on your skill level and control. Glorified precision and intention was what they wanted. Fucking sadists. Hmm. I heard the soft close of his book and felt his weight shift on the bed as he crawled toward me. That's pretty bad, Carmen. Yeah, nothing hurts worse than the cold hard truth. And nothing motivates me more. I shot to a sitting position and produced my knife just under Oscar's chin. It's a fillet knife. It's one of ten, custom made for my hand only with layers and layers of folded, shatterproof steel. My blades effortlessly cut through zombie flesh, old and new, like a deadly whisper. I have 100 dismemberments. That's legs and arms before the heads, don't forget. Three times the work. Not to mention, more than anybody else in this quadrant has had in over two months. Yes... Oscar waved my knife away like some bothersome gnat. But it's those measly 36 trait cuts that are holding you back, sweetness. Oscar's lips pressed against mine, and then he added, Sounds to me like you're slipping. He avoided my blade with lightning speed. Speed that is really sweet to have while killing and evading the fucking zombies. A speed that I do not yet possess. They aren't my rules. The council says a hundred trait cuts in 30 days, period. You still have a whole day left before you have to start over. Ugh, he sounded so spoiled. And that sexy damned smile of his, partnered with those incredible blue eyes behind wire rims, were going to get him into serious trouble. Oscar was by no means my only lover, but he was my favorite. I always came to him after being with another guy because, well, I like it when Oscar gets jealous. He gets possessive. And what girl doesn't like having that power over a man? Well, today, I actually needed his help. But that didn't necessarily mean I needed to play nice, put up with his cruel flirting. All those hard-earned stats 
didn't count on my scorecard if I didn't make the kills the way the council wanted. Even though I'd killed those zombies, actually benefited the greater good, the kills didn't count for shit on my record, because by the council's standards, I wasn't dedicated enough, a.k.a. deserving of their precious serum. And it cut me to the quick that Oscar flaunted his own status so easily. But he knew what he was doing. He knew exactly how I would react and how much he would benefit from my reaction. Just as Oscar pushed his sexy glasses up his chiseled nose, an old habit I had grown to lust over, I tightened my grip on the knife handle. I knew all of Oscar's moves, and in one swift motion, he pulled my body beneath his completely, heavily, trapping me beneath him. I sank my twelve long inches of sharp, sexy steel all the way into his left pectoral muscle. And then we just stared at each other, eye to eye. I was ridiculous when it came to this man, but I wasn't going to put up with his blasé attitude toward my kill stats. I wasn't the practically indestructible one. I still had to rely on what Mother Nature had originally given me which was nothing compared to Oscar's super abilities. And getting the serum has been my goal in life. My other goal has been to get Oscar's wonderful attention. It always landed me in the best positions. For the record, Oscar let me stab him. I could never get anything over on him, not without the serum. But there was a specific reason why I drew his blood. The side effect of being Oscar, the first super, which we both very much enjoyed. When the first batch of serum was developed, Oscar had just earned his place on the squad, but nobody knew that he'd been bitten when he went in for the injection. If they'd known, he'd have been put down. That's the rule. Somehow, the serum actually stopped the infection but couldn't correct his vision the way they'd anticipated. It's why he fights harder than all the other supers. It's why he's so hard on me. He knows what it's like to be the odd man out. There are no women on the squad. I would be the first. If I could just get my shit together. Oscar's pretty sensitive when it comes to his eyesight, though. The council has since revamped the serum, He's the only super who wears glasses. To me, though, that's what makes Oscar more human than all of them. Those wire-rimmed glasses remind me of my own humanity. But sometimes, the way Oscar talks, you would think that the council wanted to get rid of him. Anyway, back to that lovely side effect, the reason why I stabbed Oscar with my knife. It wasn't because I was a poor sport or that I wanted to hurt him. It takes more than a little hazing to rile me up. All supers have the self-healing ability, but with Oscar, the process makes him horny. Another lovely imperfection in the Council's first batch. It definitely sucks during combat. Very inconvenient to fight for your life while you're horny as all get out. But here, in his bed, I had him 
right where I wanted him. I've seen Oscar hurt, and boy oh boy, was I ever in the right place at the right time. He quite literally drilled me against the side of a tank until I blacked out. I have the scars to prove it. Oscar clasped his fingers around my tiny wrist, then pulled. My blade slid from his muscle, and he moaned so prettily. He almost came right then and there. Honestly, I was a little disappointed that he didn't, but when I felt his cock hardening, I dropped my knife. Take me, I said. Oh, I intend to, Carmen. I shivered. Oscar grabbed a handful of my pixie haircut and pulled. He took one of my nipples into his mouth, and I nearly forgot what I'd originally come there for. Of course he would take me. I'd fucking stabbed him. Lust and self-healing were hardwired together. And God, I wanted him to fuck me. I wanted his cum all over me, marking me as his. I wanted his cum inside me. But that wasn't all that I'd come there for. Just then, I couldn't do much more than squirm beneath his carefully distributed weight. I tried to ignore my libido for just a second. I had business to take care of. No, take me into the city. I hissed when Oscar's teeth nipped at my poor, mostly innocent nipple. But I knew that I deserved it. He let my little tit pop out of his mouth and then stared at me. I almost looked away. Almost. His glasses were only slightly off kilter, and I resisted the urge to grab his cock and shove it into myself. I had come here for a very specific reason. Well, two reasons, but the first one was more important. I knew I'd asked too much. Oscar was sick of my nagging. Too dangerous. He barely got the words out, but the subject was closed. His cock was at the helm, so to speak. I squirmed a little more vigorously under his weight, taking advantage of his lovely condition. It worked. His wound was healing, and his cock was ready. I wriggled my legs from beneath him, wrapped them around his waist, trapped him to me. His cock, wet and hard, immediately penetrated me. Who was I kidding? He totally had me trapped. I bucked beneath him, let him think I only had cock on my mind. Please, just take me, I whined, a flagrant manipulation. But I wanted what I wanted and chose my words purposefully. Oscar could have untangled himself from me easily, but I knew how to make it really fucking hard for him to want to. He tightened his fist in my hair and thrust, his want overriding my want. But I wasn't sure if the moan that came next was because of irritation or because he liked how my pussy fucked his cock. To truly test the water, 
I tightened my thighs more enthusiastically. Give me what I want, Oscar. His response was distracting, and I still didn't get the answer I was after. So I had to try another tactic. I am nothing if not resourceful, though I did feel a little guilty about it. Oscar's body rocked against mine, his skin soft and rough, and so when his orgasm was on the rise, I bit him as hard as I could, breaking the skin on his shoulder. He sucked air between his teeth and fucked me in a wild frenzy. Blood spilled into my mouth. I spat it out and quickly whispered, Take me into the city, Oscar. Yes. His orgasm was great, but his answer was even better. Sort of. was killing my buzz. We were on the tram, heading into the city. You know, I could just not tell you. Sometimes my mouth worked ahead of my brain. Sometimes I just said stupid shit. Oscar resheathed his sword. No, you couldn't. He was right. I could lie to anyone else, but not to him. Those bold blue eyes of his saw right through me. And... I liked that. I scooted closer, draped a leg over his lap. I rested my head against his chest and fiddled with his shirt, thinking. I owed Oscar a lot. He'd spent countless hours training me and fucking me. But spend the rest of my life only fucking him? That was a hard concept to swallow. I weighed my wants against my desires. They were practically the same things, and crowded my head just then. I wanted to focus on getting my stats up right now. But Oscar had arranged for the tram passes, gotten me clearance into the city, though he had to put his career up as collateral. If I didn't make it back, or we destroyed anything of historical or artistic value, Oscar would get a desk job, and I would lose my license to hunt faster than you could blink an eye. Okay. The word felt partially lodged in my throat. I cleared it and tried to sound more persuasive. Okay, deal. He took my chin and kissed me so hard, I nearly cried. I didn't understand why. I hadn't really meant it, had I? I wrapped my arms around his neck and pulled myself onto his lap. He was already unzipping his fly. He undid my pants and peeled them down until I was accessible. I ended up propped on my feet, knees under his armpits, squatting over his cock. He grabbed my waist and fucked himself into me. We came so hard, I felt like crying again. Holy fuck, I seriously needed to get my fucking head in the fucking game. I was a mess. 
slightly distracted, but mostly jittery. Tonight was the night. I would reach a hundred trait cuts. Oscar stayed true to his word. He watched my back the entire time, from the moment the tram dropped us off smack dab in the middle of San Francisco's largest no-go zone, to when we finished our first little swarm. It was a windless, foggy night, offering us the best cover possible, but the worst proximity vision. We hadn't walked very far before we happened upon a pretty good swarm of zombie elders trying to negotiate their way around a bunch of abandoned cars on the street. It was double the slicing, but surveillance cameras caught all of my nifty knife work. Right off the bat, my trait cuts went from 64 to 99 in a matter of minutes. Oscar didn't even have to lift a finger, though he stayed close enough and watched the perimeter for any sneaky fucks who might be riding the easy train, letting the old zombies keep me busy while they planned a surprise attack. Report footage recently came in proving that younger zombies were still capable of conceptualizing, and some of them were tricky bastards, which was why I should have expected that the one riding the damned laughing zebra was actually playing me. Careful, Carmen. This one looks pretty spry. Oscar shook his head at the binoculars. He hated being reminded of his imperfect eyesight. He had done pretty well so far, staying out of my way, but now he was killing my buzz all over again. This was my last kill, my number 100. I didn't need his prideful ass refusing to use a simple pair of binoculars. Would you just take them, please? I need you to be sure there aren't any surprises lurking around while I do this. I don't need them. They're useless in this wet fog anyway. He might have been a little nervous himself, but he took them anyway and then scanned our surroundings without using them. Men. I clenched my jaw and blew out my frustration silently. I focused on my last kill. The fact that the zebra-riding zombie was missing an entire right arm sort of bummed me out. I wanted my last kill to at least be a little bit of a challenge, something that would help me get a good last sweat on, and something I could tell a good story about later when the council finally accepted my application for the serum. I'm going to surprise it from behind. The fog will keep me pretty well hidden. I'm totally about to be a ninja. I turned to Oscar, swept away by my own excitement. I ran a finger over his lips and added, When I'm done, we can head back to the shuttle and celebrate. I could hardly keep my pussy in my pants. Zombie number 100 was just around the corner, riding on a laughing carousel zebra, and it was making me horny as hell. Dinner before dessert, I told myself. Oscar pushed my hand down and withdrew his sword. He wasn't responding anywhere near as excitedly as he should be. This fog could be a real problem. I wish you'd take it seriously, Carmen. Look, just get in, kill it, and then get out. His beautiful blues were tight 
as he continued to search the fog. It was so precious the way he worried for me. I thought about reaching into his pants and telling him so, but even I knew that wouldn't be very smart. Fog or no, the echoes of Oscar fucking my brains out within a narrow alleyway would be a very, very bad thing. Even I didn't want to go ringing the zombie's dinner bell. When he finally nodded his lordship's approval, we advanced, Oscar leading the way around to the east side, and then we soft-stepped it over to the Levi's corporate building. Some fly-by-night carnival had come to Union Square Park when the infection had hit here. Old booths and carnival rides creaked their ruin in the dark fog. When we got a little closer, I noticed that the zombie who was riding the zebra wasn't an elder like the others. He looked newly changed. He was also very young-looking, twenty, maybe twenty-two years old at most. A lump formed in my throat. Something told me he'd died doing the very thing I was here to do. Impress the goddamn council. Admittedly, that put a serious kink in my chain. Made me nervous. Oscar's voice made me jump. If you go up behind those two smaller tents there, he pointed. Yeah, yeah, I got this, sweet cheeks. I let out a slow, silent breath, willed my nerves to settle. Just keep your eyes peeled. I cringed, hating myself for once again, bringing up his goddamn eyesight. I honestly thought they were his best feature, but I was also sick to death of having to pussyfoot around his feelings on the subject. I had a job to do. Oscar's feelings weren't my priority. I've so got this. Oscar's jaw tightened, but then he ran a finger down my cheek and lifted my chin. He whispered, Don't forget, you're mine when this is done, remember? It wouldn't be a bad thing to only fuck Oscar for the rest of my life, but I definitely need to wean myself slowly transition into monogamy. My skin was hot. I wanted everything all at once. It took all I had to play it cool. Use the binoculars, and we'll see. I kissed him and then was gone before he could say anything else or stop me. I sneaked toward the glass edge of the coffee shop and then made my way toward the first decrepit red and yellow striped tent. It was filled with moldy stuffed animals still lining the shelves. A corpse, the unfortunate Carney running the duck chute, was dead. His rib bones were picked fairly clean. I could tell he was the Carney because of the apron and the ugly shirt still clinging to his bony frame. I half wondered if he had a ball cap lying around somewhere. I approached, slowly, steadily, knife drawn, muscles tense but still springy. I was ready. At least, I thought I was. On the balls of my feet, I soundlessly neared the snacking zombie, eyes shooting left then right. I got around enough to recognize that the zombie was working on the fingers of a hand that was attached to somebody's limb. It didn't even occur to me that it was his own, even though I could now plainly see 
that he was missing a whole motherfucking arm. He was a noisy eater, groaning and smacking his lips, his teeth tugging on and separating knuckles. The sound made my stomach roll. When you put yourself in high-stress situations, your instincts do try to warn you of danger. But sometimes, your brain just plain doesn't get the message. As I approached, I wondered to myself why the zombie was sitting on the laughing zebra and not one of the other animals. Had it chosen the zebra on purpose? A few steps more, and then my brain got stuck on trying to recall if carousels had a universal theme song. If so, I couldn't remember. I had ridden carousels countless times as a little girl. The song should be something easily retrievable from my memory banks. But for the life of me, I couldn't remember what a spinning carousel sounded like. It was like my brain was spinning its wheels, burning fuel for the sake of burning fuel. I was just behind the zombie now. So close, I could smell urine and feces and rotten flesh and really, really rank breath. Never had I been close to a young one like this without its knowing I was there. It was so content in its eating. You know those moments when you know you fucked up? When it's too late for do-overs or take-backs? Well, I knew it was that moment for me. The goddamn zombie wasn't just happily digging into a late dinner. The sleeve on the arm it was mauling matched his other arm. The little son of a bitch had baited me. I wanted to hurl and curse at it all at once. The way it turned and eyed me just slightly as though checking something. I could see the sick yellow of a single eyeball as it rolled over to look at me. Then I heard it. My mistake. My ego that I hadn't checked at the door. The sting of it burned into the blade of my shoulder and I whipped around, my instincts waking my reflexes from deep hibernation. I'd been duped. It was the carny. Apparently, it had been playing dead, and the asshole on the laughing zebra lunged, almost gracefully, from its perch. I slashed and stabbed and tried not to panic, but the nagging sting on my shoulder blade had me swinging too hard for the fences. I couldn't help it, couldn't keep up with the attack against me. I screamed as teeth sunk into my forearm next. I severed the head from the carny, but the laughing zebra rider was so strong. I tripped over the carny's body, backpedaled my arms, my knife went flying into the night, and I fell. The young zombie was on top of me, trying to gnaw his way up my arm. It humped the ground, fucked and grunted spastically as its chomping teeth headed right for my throat. Apparently, feasting and fucking were synonymous. Then I heard the most beautiful sound in all the world. Oscar's sword cutting through the air 
and then through zombie neck. The zebra rider didn't have a chance to even look up. Its head went rolling. I was crying, trying desperately to hide the shameful bite marks from Oscar. When I saw the binoculars swinging around his neck, I knew that if I could just do it all over again, I would have told him, yes, I would fuck only him, happily, for the rest of my pathetic, self-centered life. But now it was too late. Even when Oscar scooped me up, I knew I should have been nicer to him, should have showed him that I did love him. We got company. Time to go. Oscar ran with me in his arms like it was nothing. That was when my jealousy flared full steam. I hated that he could get bit and not fucking die. I despised that he could run while carrying me so easily. I hated that he was right. I should have been more careful. But then, I wondered if he'd used the binoculars or if his pride had prevented him. He'd obviously not had my back. I could feel his muscles bunching with his efforts. He darted between cars without hesitation, the fog seemingly all but non-existent. Suddenly, he was wedging me against a brick wall, and I heard the sound of steel, his sword. Zombies swarmed him like a pestilence, and then they dropped. One, two, three at a time. One zombie saw me and lunged. I swung my good arm and it just slogged through the air. And then Oscar was there, saving me again. I could hear the tram coming. I couldn't recall seeing him call for it. The lights were too bright. I was so thirsty. It felt like a cat was trapped inside my gut and was trying to claw its way out. Carmen, Carmen, focus, baby. Hey, we're almost there, hon. Just stay with me. Oscar's blue eyes were red. He'd been crying? Was that his blood I saw, staining his arm and shoulder? Do you have any water? I croaked. No, honey, but that's not what you need anyway. I didn't like the way he looked at me. Jesus, my eyeballs felt hot as campfire coals. I could hear myself panting. Oscar was on his phone, cursing, but I couldn't understand what he was saying. I was so tired. I looked over at Oscar one more time, trying to hold on to the light. His fist was pumping his cock. I think I smiled. Thanks for this, Doc. I don't know what I'd have done if you didn't have that second vial. Oscar sounded upset. Think nothing of it, Oscar. I've owed you for a while now. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't still have my best friend Hank here. I heard a stranger's voice, and then a big dog scratching. So, 
this is between us. We just tell them she's found another hobby and I'm... I've moved on. Quit. Sounds about right to me. Although, I think I'll jigger some footage. You can't quit the squad, remember? The way I see it, they don't need to know what they don't need to know. Especially after I saw what I saw. Right. Now, Oscar sounded angry. You always thought they were trying to push you out. It was an older man... I could hear him pat Oscar on the back, or maybe it was his shoulder. I opened my eyes. My head was a little foggy, but otherwise, a quick body inventory told me that all my parts checked out okay. I was in Oscar's bed. I looked down at my forearm. There was a pink bite mark scar embedded in the skin. Then I remembered. Take it easy, Doc. Let me know what the word is when you hear it. Oscar sounded relieved. Will do, my friend. Come on, Hank. Let's go grab us a steak, huh? Oscar's apartment door closed. I heard the locks engage. Why wasn't I dead or trying to eat somebody? Hey. He was smiling. He sat down on the edge of the bed, brushed my cheek with his thumb. How are you feeling? Good, I think. I looked at my arm again. Oscar didn't say anything, just leaned over to pull open a drawer from his nightstand. He pulled out one of my spare knives. He touched the blade, examined its gleam for a moment. You're going to keep on feeling good for a long time, Carmen. The gleam seemed to leap from the blade and into his eyes, and then he smiled so broadly, like he knew something I didn't. I stared. Then I recognized the older man's voice. Was that, was that Dr. Swick? Oscar nodded, slowly. Does that mean that he gave me... Did the council approve? No, Carmen. Now he shook his head, slowly. His brow crinkled. You know the rules, once you've been bitten. It took me entirely too long to process what he was and wasn't telling me. My head was still a little swimmy. I called Swick from the tram on our way back. He hacked into the system and rerouted the bus, blacked out our footage, so I could get you back here. He waited. And then, slowly, I understood. At first, my world started to close in around me. My cheeks became hot. I was about to start screaming of dreams lost. But then Oscar held up my knife, capturing my attention. So you remember what we talked about? He twisted the blade. The flash, as it turned, had a hypnotic effect on me. Yes. I couldn't stop the tears that welled up in my eyes. Sorrow for the future I wouldn't have anymore. Good. The way I see it, I held up my end of the deal. And then some. Now, you need to hold up yours. He leaned in, touched the tip of the blade to my shoulder. My impulse was to argue with him but he did get me into the city. I'd gotten my hundredth kill, but was bitten in the process. And I couldn't forget that Oscar didn't have my back when I'd so desperately needed him to. But then I felt the prick of the blade, the slide of metal as it pushed into my muscle about an inch. I didn't flinch too badly. In fact, I found myself losing track of my thoughts wanting him to put it in further, all the way to the hilt. My shoulder burned, and then 
the rest of my body became warm, really warm. My pussy tightened. Just the tip, to start with. Oscar teased. He withdrew the knife and set it on the nightstand. He pulled his shirt off and readjusted his glasses. He was covered in freshly scarred bite marks. He'd been ambushed, but how? I knew it was the council. They'd set a trap. I reached for Oscar, blinked, tried to make sense of what I was starting to feel blossoming within my body. I could feel my injured skin beginning to stitch itself back together. But overriding that was the incredible need to orgasm, to hold onto and ride a good fuck, a hard cock, Oscar's cock. I threw the crisp white sheet aside and attacked him. He caught me and tumbled backward onto the mattress. I straddled him and disappointment nearly crushed me when I saw that his cock wasn't hard enough. I scooted down, drew him into my mouth, and groaned like I was tasting a decadent dessert, a sumptuous meal I'd been waiting for my whole life. It's just going to be me, right, Carmen? He tried to pull me from his cock, get my attention, but I wouldn't have it, right? I nodded and bobbed my head at the same time, gave him a muffled, impatient, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I felt his cock surge and swell. I felt giddy, sucked him in as far as I could. But my pussy was feeling exceptionally grabby, and so I straddled him again, sunk onto his hard rod, plunged and plunged until he hit the core of me. He grunted, grabbed my waist. I grabbed hold of his wrists, and then he pumped up into me, hard and fast, giving me exactly what I needed, itching the scratch that I so desperately needed scratched. The puncture on my shoulder was gone, closed up, healed. I came so quickly, so intensely, my nipples tightened, and I curled over, letting the orgasm tighten within me and then wash over me. Now I was loose, a little floppy, but I wasn't close to satisfied. By the gleam in Oscar's beautiful blue eyes, he was envious. I reached for the knife, spun onto my back, pulled him onto me and wrapped my legs around him, pulled Oscar down face to face. I aimed for the same spot I'd bitten earlier and stabbed him deep, and then I let the knife fall onto the hardwood floor. You are the only one I've ever loved, Oscar. He shoved his cock back into me, grabbed one of my tits with a rough, possessive hand. You're the only one I've ever wanted. Fuck me, Oscar. Fuck me good. He rammed, and I came undone. Ecstasy rolled through my bones, my flesh, my hair, and I didn't care about anything else except Oscar. I felt 
so fucking super. For Stupid Fish Productions, this is Rose Carraway. We hope you enjoyed the show. That was Zombie, written by me, Rose Carraway. Rose Carraway can be found at thekissmequicks.com. Have a happier life. We encourage you, lovely lured listeners, to be playful, enjoy yourselves, your partners, and your sexuality. For more fun, sexy stories, go to Amazon, iTunes, or Audible and search Rose Caraway. Sign up for Audible's 30-day trial and you can get one of my audiobooks for free. Your subscription will include one free audiobook every month, as well as give you discounted prices on all of my audiobooks. You can cancel at any time. The Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast is a Stupid Fish production and is brought to you by the Sexy Librarian's Erotica Blogcast. I'd like to thank the following musical artists. Vivich, Michette, Scott Holmes, Rui, Mads, Three Chain Links, Kai Engel, Little Glass Men and the introduction and credit music by Vivich. Audio production by Big Daddy Dave Carraway. Stupid fish. He's about to get butt-raped <laughs> by Zed. Yes, you're very smart. Shut up. <laughs>